Welcome to NL Full-Time Midweek Special. I'm Luke Edwards and joining us is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good evening. Uh, yeah, a most uncommon experience this, speaking to you in midweek, but um, a pleasure nonetheless. And also joining us, he's back uh, fresh from a Hampton win. We'll get onto that later on. It is Tom Wang. Hello, Tom. Hi, everyone. How's it going? We, we had to do a midweek special this week because of all the results that took place. A lot of huge results with repercussions at both ends of the table. Two more former Carly Langstaff in a 4-0 win over Southend at home. Rexon, they got a 2-0 win against Scunthorpe and Paul Mullins, posh brother, got on a score sheet once again, Paul Mullin-Penn, as he added to his tally. I mean, the, the big debate on Sunday was, was, was like, who's the better, who's the more prolific? But you've got to factor in the fact that Langstaff doesn't take penalties, does he? He doesn't, no. So 32 goals. Um, I, I can't say from open play because, you know, there might be some free kicks or whatever in there. But um, it's strange. People do seem to place this value more on goals scored from open play. But, you know, if you score from the penalty spot, they count for exactly the same thing, don't they? And, you know, Mullin has been key in winning a lot of those penalties for Wrexham. So... You know, it swings and roundabouts, really, isn't it? It's, you know, the ro- who's better tends to come down to, you know, do they wear black and white stripes or do they wear red um, tends to be the deciding factor on that one. I think the fact that the feeling is, though, is that from a penalty, you've got more chance of scoring from 12 yards, whereas, you know, with the ball stopped, whereas open play, it's kind of manufactured. You've got to still do something with it. Yeah, there is. Yes, that that's, you know, that's a reasonable argument. I mean, um you know, Paul Mullin puts himself in that position uh, of taking them, doesn't he? It's funny, I was uh, reminded of that when he missed, uh, not missed, had a penalty saved in that FA Cup game against Sheffield United. And I think he said afterwards something to the effect of, they asked him about the effect of missing that penalty. And he said, well, Lionel Messi misses penalties. He said, there's no reason why Paul Mullin won't miss one every now and again. And it was just, you know, battered it off as nothing. You know, it clearly is, um, it doesn't affect his confidence. He, he, he does want the ball every time, you know, Wrexham get awarded a penalty. And then there's a whole question about how many penalties Wrexham get awarded. But, you know, if if their approach means that players have to foul either Mullin or somebody else and, and that results in penalties being given or, you know, the effect of having 10,000 Welsh people in the stadium yelling for a penalty, you know, I'm not... Not saying it sways referees, you know, they don't cheat, but um, heaven forbid, you know, but there is a little bit of um, uh, influence there from the fans. You know, I think one of the goals last night, there's some debate about one of the challenges. Mullins responded to that by posting a photograph of um, a wound on his leg, which came from the challenge. So, uh, yeah, it's just one that can run and run the debate over who's better, isn't it? Tom, where do you stand on this debate then, the Langstaff-Mullen debate? Uh, I mean, well, the numbers back back up Langstaff, don't they? I think, well, I probably agree with Dickie. I think that you just got to look at it. It's, it's, it's two very excellent strikers playing their trade in the National League. Um, uh, and without wishing to sound twee, we should consider ourselves lucky to have them because we're not going to have one or both of them next season. No, you won't know what you've missed until they've gone, as you say. And that is the case in this uh, in this instance. Um, just behind them, it is still Woken. Woken, who lost, of course, 
on Saturday at Altrincham. They bounced back with a big win over Bromley. They fell behind as well to Mitchell Burkamp. He got his first goal for Bromley. Scott Cuthbert and Jim Kellerman getting two goals back before the halftime whistle. But then they had to play the last half an hour with 10 men. Reese Brown getting sent off for Woking. And Bromley are tough nuts to crack. And Tom, are you surprised at how Woking have done this season? Maybe a little bit based on what you would have expected from them at the start of the season. I definitely think they should have been. They, the people, a lot of the reserves would have had them sort of top half. Um, but once the season sort of started and you saw how effective their squad was um, and how they've added to it, you know, little bits of quality here and there. I mean, Reese Brown as a signing has been absolutely excellent. He he started the season so well with Wilson. Um, and they've done really well to bring him over to Woking and add him to what was a really, very strong squad. They're really compact, really compact squad. Um, there's no fat in that squad at all. It's so lean. Um, everybody in the in that squad adds value. Um, they're just a really well-drilled side. They're really effective and and they score goals as well. Um, you know, Ammons, Ammons probably started the season a little bit slower, um, wasn't in the team as much. Uh, you know, form and fitness, I guess, probably the reasons for that, but... He's really come on strong since about October, November time as well. Um, I think they are. I think they're they're in for the long haul this season, to be honest. Mitchell Burkamp scored past Willie Askeline and there's two uh, names from the Premier League past. It's fair to say. We must be able to find out if Dennis ever scored against uh, Juicy. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He must have done. He scored against everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I will... uh... I will look into that while I'll ask you this, Tom, about Wheelstone, another surprise package again. Are you surprised at how well they're doing? I mean, Joe, who's not here this evening, he retweeted about a passing move that Wheelstone put together. I think it was 30-odd passes eventually, which was saved, but they looked so comfortable and they were playing Chesterfield and they just passed away through Chesterfield in the end. Eventually, after taking the lead, they did draw 1-1. Armando Dobra with the cards of a Chesterfield, which means they leapfrog Barnet. We'll get onto their result in a minute. But Wheelstone, fantastic from them still. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what a season they are having. Um, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Chesterfield is 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 there the question that like the quality of Shimango is maybe weak, masking some of the weaknesses they did have? Um, because with their position in the league, with sort of the the quality that we all assume they have, you'd expect them to be taking those points there. Um, but Wilson are comfortably comfortable. They're a solid side. Um, and again, they've got goal threat. Um, they can score, you know, they, they can score goals. Um, this Terrell Whitaker who's come in looks like a pretty decent player for them. Um, and, you know, having just spoken about Reese Brown for Woking, you've got to talk about what a big loss he was for a club the size of Wilson. You know, obviously they lost Umera, um in the summer, replaced him with Brown. Brown's then gone out um, to Woking. It's, they're doing well to keep sort of rebuilding on the fly sort of thing. Chesterfield, a lot of a lot of draws. I was just reading the forum now. That's um, it's four unbeaten for them, but equally it's also no wins in seven. So they're not sort. They're getting slightly restless and cranky, Chesterfield, but they're not worried yet, and they've still got faith in Paul Cook. Barnet just behind them. They lost four two at home to Altrincham. Barnet were were two one up in the first half. It was Harry Smith and Harry Pritchard on the score sheet after Jordan Hubert equalised. But Aldrigham really moted away in the second half. Maxi Oladelli on loan from Manchester United. Regan Linney, who signed from FC United, got them ahead. And then Tyree Sinclair, who ended up forgetting his boots and had to wear the kitman's boots. He added a fourth to make it a very good win for Aldrigham. But Barnet, Tom, again, they're, um, 
they seem to be that, that spell where they win, they go on a massive winning run and then they've lost three on the bounce now. Hopefully, for Barnett's sake, they're not going to go on like a five, six, seven, eight losing streak now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they were in such good form, weren't they? Uh, they were really, like, really excelling. Um, and to then go and lose three on the bounce, you know, they, they take a bit of a shell king at Notts County a few weeks ago or a week or so ago. Um, they really wouldn't have wanted to follow that up with a loss to, to Torquay. Um, 4-2 against Altrincham. I mean, Altrincham are... They're not in terrible form themselves. They obviously had that run of four defeats, but prior to that, they were doing pretty well. They've just kind of beaten a very good Woking side 3-1. So I don't think there's any shame in losing to Altrincham, even at home. But you do have to say, like, a 4-2 reversal is quite a surprise. Yeah, Southend, as I mentioned, were, were beaten 4-0 at Notts County. And Eastley, they're in the final playoff place now. They won 3-1 away at Maidstone, avenging that FA Trophy from, defeat from a couple of weeks ago. And... Maidstone, it's really tough for them now, Tom. But again, Eastley having a really good season. Your thoughts on Eastley first? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I I will say like that. This is one that does surprise me. I I had Eastley pegged for sort of lower half of the table. Um, I'm still kind of hoping that they can do what they did a couple of seasons ago, where they finished in the playoffs with a negative goal difference, which is the first time that's ever happened in any of the conference or national league divisions. Um, like a, a genuinely remarkable achievement to do that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's you know, Mason aren't, you know, they're not setting the world light this year, are they? Let's be honest with ourselves. But a 3-1 win away on a Tuesday night is never to be sniffed at. Um, and Eastley have now put together quite a consistent run of form across the last 10 games. I think they've won six, drawn one and lost three. Um, and of those three that they lost were against, you know, Wrexham and Barnet, who we've said have been on that excellent run. So... Looking at the form tables, only Wrexham and Notts County are higher than Eastley in the form tables over the last 10 matches, uh, which is certainly not not what you would have expected a few few months ago. Plus four goal difference for Eastley at the minute. So it could be on, it could be on the minus goal difference. <laughs> but they are on at 50 points. They're three points ahead of Bromley, who are a point ahead of Boreham Wood, who only drew 1-1 one, one away at York and a bit. It's a, it's a funny one, isn't it, Dickie? York and, and Boreham Wood, we know about York's Issues boring with a bit stuttery though at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It, it's that it, they're they're a little bit off the pace, a little bit, you know, maybe where we expected them to be. Um, I think I probably predicted them to be a, a playoff side, and they're they're not that at the moment. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know what we'd put that down to. I suppose Luke Garrard's to to carry on repeating what he does season after season, and not expect there to be maybe a little bit of getting sussed out by other teams potentially um they did lose some players uh, uh, of course it, it, you know they are players left a result of, of of drawing the attention that they got in their FA Cup run last season um so it, it will be a little bit disappointing for them I mean they're not out of a playoff position um by a long shot yet you know there's still some way to go but yeah their, their form's indifferent isn't it it is indeed just behind them are Dagenham and Redbridge. They beat Aldershot in the end. Rob caught up with Mike Jones and Lee Wilson, who commentate on the National League stream for Dagenham and Redbridge. He caught up with them at half time when it was 1 0 to Dagenham, thanks to Angelo Balanta. Junior Marais added a second before it was a stoppage goal from Tyler Frost, which got Aldershot a consolation, but it was too little 
too late for them. Mike, you're doubling up as the PA as well, so multi-talented. Um, one, <laughs> one nil to Dagenham at half-time. It's been an enjoyable game of football with two sides who want to get on the front foot. Daggers kind of bossing it at the moment, but uh, not a lot in it. No, absolutely 50-50. We're just saying to Lee, just as the, as the uh, half-time whistle blew, you know, it, it could have gone either way, really. A really good goal from Angelo Valanta. We've missed him. He's been out for most of the season. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought I've, I've been very impressed with Ollie Harfield and uh, Ryan Glover. I thought they worked well down the sides. And uh, you, you, you've had two really good opportunities to uh, get back level. But uh, it's, it, the best thing about it, it's been a good good game for both sides I think it's, you know we're looking for good for a, for a second good second half yeah good stuff Mike and Lee um, just thoughts on Dagenham's season so far yeah. as ever the expectations high <laughs> isn't it two eighth place finishes and you've got to go one better this year it is and um for a lot of the season really we flirted with the players but never really made a position in them our own and uh, obviously we've just fallen off the pace in the last couple of games but a win tonight and the Daggers would would hopefully then start to close the gap and really for the Daggers they need to get into that, that top seven and then cement a place in it and that's that's the key for them this season Alright we're going to keep it brief because the boys have got to get back to work so have I Nice to see you both We're going to go down to the bottom because that's where it is hotting up as we mentioned Maidstone and Scunthorpe probably looking dead and buried Maidstone 10 points off safety. Scunthorpe, six points off safety, but games are running out for them. Torquay, they had a six-pointer against Dorking. Dorking, much-needed win for them, Tom. Yeah, that's massive for Dorking, isn't it? I think I I feel a bit bad because the last time I was on this podcast about two months ago, uh, two and a half months ago, I think, Dorking was sitting pretty in sort of 12th and 13th. I sort of, I I waxed lyrical about Mark White's ability to, and that, that squad's, uh, club's ability to adapt to a new level um, and then they have pretty much free fall and since then um, I think prior to yesterday they only picked up one win in their last 10 games four points from the last 10 something like that which is um, you know that is relegation form uh, in, in its finest um, we know about their inability to to keep a clean sheet at the back 73 goals conceded is the same as Maidstone it is I think 10 more than anyone else in the division. It's pretty difficult. Um, that You can't keep doing that and expect to win games. You know, they, they were helped by a red card for Torquay. Let's be, let's be honest. Uh, they were 2-1 behind when Torquay got the red card. Um, Evans is such a big player for Torquay as well. That's a massive loss to them when he's gone off the pitch. Um, but again, I'll, I'll come back to the same point. I'll come back to always when I talk about Torquay is their ability to bring players up through the leagues who can be effective for them at this level is remarkable. Harry Ottaway was playing step three, Kush Olton, Athletic, when he was signed by Mark White halfway through the season. James McShane, who got the opener for them, was playing for them in step four in the Eastern League Division One South. Um, and they're the people that have made the difference from today. It, it really is remarkable how he sees that quality and applies it at a high level. Yeah, interestingly, he's brought in some experience though in the last couple of weeks in uh, George Frankham and, and Tony Craig. So that will be hopefully a big boost for them in the defensive point of view. Another big game was Maidenhead against Yeovil. Yeovil just outside the bottom four on goal difference. It was Maidenhead do one by two goals to nil and then Gateshead beat Oldham by two goals to one. So as I say, Gateshead in that last relegation spot on goal difference only. Oldham three points clear. They are in 17th, but it's so tight down there and two big results for Gateshead and Maidenhead. Yeah, it certainly was. I've seen the goals from the, uh, the Gateshead game 
um, or certainly the two Gateshead goals. Um, Marcus Denanga getting his first for them, having joined them. And I think it was a Liam Hogan own goal for uh, Oldham, which was uh, Gateshead's first goal. Um, and yeah, that's just a really, really big result for them. Um, I think it's imperative, you know, that, that the Gateshead pick up points against those teams who are around them at the bottom of the table. And I think to to draw level on goal difference with Yeovil um, and, and you know, only be a point behind Woking, uh, York. Um, there are a few clubs that, that, you know, can't count themselves out of that one. And, and uh, when you're in the bottom four, it's all about staying in touch with the, the teams that are above you. And, and that's what Gateshead are managing to do at the moment. Also, as well, on Tuesday night, it was... Halifax won at Solihull Moors when Andrew Dallas put Solihull ahead and Emmanuel Di Cerive equalised, a result which will do neither side much good or give them much happiness this week. They'll have to uh, go again on the weekend, which we will we will preview those weekend results coming up. And in the National League South, obviously it had a bit of a scare at St Albans. They went behind on at six minutes. Che Cooper giving the Saints the lead. But that man, Dominic Polion equalised in the 54th minute before Toby Edser scored the second goal. You've obviously seen all the top contenders this year, Tom Ebsley. Do you think, not quite home and dry, but they're nearly there, do you think? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, they are the best team in the league. Um, there's a, a chap on uh, Twitter called Jason Stewart. I can't remember his tag. He, used to do, he uh, was involved at Hampton for a long time. He did the National League probabilities uh, sort of algorithm which is running through the National League South probabilities every week and uh, absolutely about 89% likely to win the league on that spreadsheet uh, based on their results against clubs so far who they've got to face etc and I think that's probably fair um, they are just the best team in this division they're, they're a team of full-time professionals any one of whom would probably walk into the first team or a squad of full-time professionals any one of whom would probably walk into the first team of any other team in this league um, they've got you know Sean Jeffers arguable, but outside Sean Jeffers, probably the two best strikers in the division as well. Um, and they're both on good form. That's four goals in his last two games for Polion now. Um, but they are really firing. Um, you look back across the last 10, 10 games, they've dropped two points. A fourth-minute goal from Kieran Murta gave Dartford a 1-0 win over Slough. And having at Waterlooville still in third, that's despite a 2-0 defeat away at Bath and Mofal and Charlie Ruff getting sent off. So a rough night for him in more ways than one. Scott Wilson on the score sheet for Bath along with Sonny Cox. But like I say, the nearest challenges are probably going to be Dartford because having a, a just so inconsistent, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, it's interesting when you say it was a rough night. I'd be interested to see how bad the foul was that <laughs> Mohamed went off for. Um, but yeah, I think Dartford are... You do have to look at them as the main challenges. If haven't win both their games in hand, they'll be level on points with Dartford. But, you know, Dartford are a, a real archetypal Dawson, Alan Dawson side. They are so they're, they're really consistent. They're they're really compact. They're really hard to beat. Um, you know, they've only conceded 35 goals. Uh, I think there's only two or three sides in the league that have conceded fewer than that. One of them is Farnborough, by the way, who are second in the form tables at the moment. They're on an excellent run. They've got three or four games in hand mm. over most teams above them, which will put them smack bang in the playoffs if they win them. Um, and to be honest, at the moment, you have to have to back them to do that. Yeah, they're absolutely flying. They're in a tear up. They're in ninth. They beat Weymouth by three goals to one. Oxford City. 
I just say, Luke, I have to say on Farnborough, what a signing Mason Bloomfield has been for them. Mm. He's coming from Bromley at the start of January, late December, beginning of January. I think he scored seven or eight goals already. Um, and and, and Farnborough are a good side. They've got some really good players in there, but they just didn't have anyone who was really keeping them ticking over up top. And Bloomfield's just come in and done a really excellent job for them. Um, and that's why they've only you know lost two and one, lost two and drawn one of their last ten. Oxford City are level on points with Haven and Waterlooville, and they would have gone above Haven and Waterlooville had they held on. But in the 95th minute, they conceded a goal to David Sims Burgess down at Oxford City. Both teams had a man sent off as well. It was Josh Parker sent off in the first minute of stoppage time for Oxford City. So Taunton always a tough place to go, though. So on the face of it, a good point for Oxford City, but slight regret that they maybe couldn't get into third. Yeah, there will be. I think, uh, yeah, they'd like to go to third, but they'll do, they'll also be aware that Haven have got all those games in hand. So I don't think they'll be too, too disappointed. I think for, for all the teams below FC Dart and Haven, it is just a case of finish above eighth. Um, that has to be the the objective for the remainder of the season. Um at the end of the day, there's, there are no teams in this division that will be disappointed with going to Taunton on a Tuesday night and taking a point. Um, I think I, think I read the other day that Taunton have lost once in the last two years at home. Um, but they have some some impressive home record. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a long old trip on a Tuesday night as well. Worthing a flying as well. A 6-0 win against Dulwich. Ollie Pearce with a couple. Also, Reese Meekums with a couple for Worthing as well there and uh, when Joe isn't upsetting Worthy by suggesting that Adam Hinchelwood should go elsewhere they are he's, he's doing a good job Hinchelwood and he will have admirers won't he you can't see him going before the end of the season but uh, are you surprised at how well they're doing this season? Yes and no I think you've always got to, anyone who says they're not surprised when someone gets promoted and they're sitting comfortably in the playoffs is, is not totally telling the truth but I'm not surprised at how well they have that they have adapted really well to National League South. Like that is it. It's not just a good team; it's an excellent club. Um, you know, they were routinely getting over a thousand at Step Three. Um, they're they are consistently one of the biggest attendances in National League South. Um, it's it's just an excellently run club from top to bottom. Um, and as you say, and as Joe rightly pointed out on Twitter, Inchwood is is a very good manager and should rightly be in the conversation for jobs up the pyramid. Um, and he and he always has that team playing such good football as well. They are they are really good team to watch. Um, they came to uh, sort of the bev where we have a pitch that is akin to the surface of the moon and still played some really nice flowing football, um, which is not easy to do. Um, so yeah, I've got got nothing but positive things to say about Worthing in their and their first season back at National League South. To be honest, have you got anything positive to say about Welling? Joe's always predicting that Warren Feeney's. Um, he he predicts him to be first manager to be sat this season. Thinks he's underachieving. He lost two 0 again this time at home to a brain tree. Goals from Aaron Blair and Boris Altintop for the Essex side. And to compound the misery. He had Amadou Kassarati sent off as well in the seventy second minute. Yeah, I mean they are a uh, they're they're an, an exceptionally inconsistent side, aren't they, Welling? Um, you know, they, they've got a really good smattering of players. They've got some excellent coaches there. Sam Cox, um, who's on the management team there. Obviously, we know him from Hampton days. He's very well liked and respected in the Tottenham youth setup as an academy coach. Um, they've got some really good brains around the pitch. Um, 
you know, I know they're really hot on sort of their video analysis and stuff. They do a lot of the stuff off the pitch really well. Um, but yes, consistency is key for them. Um, again, like bringing George Alexander's a good bit of business from them from Bromley. Um, I think he can he could really tear it up at this level for the remainder of the season. Um, and you've also got to commend the work that Angela Harrop's doing at Braintree. Um, you know, they are having a very, very good season as well. They're fifth in the form tables at the moment. They're sixth in the actual tables. Um, and I think I think a lot of people will be surprised by that, myself included. You know, Angela Harrop's come up from step four with Molden and Tiptree. Again, like fifth or sixth season in a row, massive player turnover at Braintree. Really massive player turnover. Um, but yet, they've still managed to keep quite a consistent first 11. Every week, there's a couple of incomings, a couple of outgoings, but they've still managed to keep quite a consistent first 11. Um, and Aaron Blair has been a really good bit of business and bringing him in from Dagenham. Um, Brain, Braintree, the only other side apart from Wrexham who are unbeaten at home as well across the three National League divisions, which the National League gleefully tweeted out the other day as well. So uh, congratulations to them. Chelmsford in seventh. They won 1-0 at home on Monday evening against Tombridge. St Albans are just outside the playoff places in eighth. And then Farnborough, as Tom mentioned, in a really good position there in, on 48 points, level with Eastbourne Borough, but Farnborough have only played 29 games. So if they continue their little tear up that they're on, they'll uh, be easily in the playoffs. Talking of Eastbourne, they're in 10th and uh, they got beaten by Hampton and Richmond Borough on Tuesday. They did, yeah. Um, very generously, they've given us two of our last three wins in all competitions. Um, 25th of October, we beat them away in Eastbourne at Prior Lane and then Yesterday, got a 3-2 victory at, at the Bev. Um, I don't think I'm being too myopic to say that actually 3-2 was probably generous to them. They got an 89th minute penalty, um, which was an excellent penalty to fair, really very well converted. Um, but Hampton had been pretty dominant from from about the 20th minute. I think um started quite sluggishly. Eastbourne got the opener through Charlie Walker. And then that seemed to sort of uh, give Hampton a bit of a kick up the backside. Um, there's a couple of new players involved. Um, we saw David Fisher back on his th- for his third loan spell at Hampton. He got the assist for Alfie Whittingham's equaliser. Um, and Adrian Clifton as well made a real difference for, for the Beavers. Uh, he's come in on loan from Maidenhead. This was his second game. Um, you can see he is you know, get, working his way back to match fitness, having not played a lot of Maidenhead this season. But he, uh, he acts as a real focal point. He's a very strong hold-up player, bullies defenders. You know, we, we've seen him for a number of years in the National League. We know what he's about. And he's clearly still got a lot to offer. Um, and it could be a really, really important signing for Hampton. Um, it, like, you know, there's, there's no no hiding it. It's been a difficult few months at Hampton and Richmond Borough. Um, I think the stats themselves tell quite a story. Going into yesterday, it was seven points from the last 51 available. Um, last win was the 11th of November. So there comes a point where it's just a monkey on the player's back that, that you know, even when you're ahead, you're just convinced that you're not going to be able to hold it. So a really good moment for the players yesterday to get that win. Um, and, just, you know, certainly everyone at Hampton will be hoping that they can follow it up against Dulwich on Saturday. Yeah, a massive win for them. It moves them a point clear of the relegation zone. It's so tight down there, Tom. I, I want to talk about Hungerford because I think a few weeks ago, I basically said to Joe, well, we'll write Hungerford off because they're gone. However, they're firing the bike up, aren't they? Steve McQueen's on there. They're on a, a remarkable run. They beat Chesson away 1-0 on Tuesday and it moves into just within a point of getting out of the relegation zone. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a similar conversation with, with some people a few weeks ago. 
you know, for my money, Hungerford and Concord were gone at that point. Both of them have turned around some really impressive uh, uh, sort of results recently as well. You know, uh, when you're down at the bottom for Hungerford, taking four points from a possible nine, oh, sorry, for Concord, four points from a possible nine, that's a good turnaround form, especially when three of them are against Weymouth as well. That's directly taking points off your rivals. Hungerford, you know, down ninth in the form tables over the last 10 games. They've only got three losses, and that's against Eastbourne, who were who were seventh going into last night, Farnborough, who were ninth, and Oxford, who were fourth. That's some run of form for Hungerford. Um, David Bramang's made a big difference for them. He's come in and been really effective, sort of knitting that final, that front third together. Um, you know, they've got some difficult fixtures still to play, though. Uh, you know, they do still have some hard teams to play. I think one thing that stands in Hampton's favour in the running, they've now played all of all of the top seven home and away. Um, so they, you know, they have a good chance to pick up points. The one that the one that I think is worrying their fans the most at the moment uh, is probably Dulwich. Mm. Um, Dulwich have lost eight of their last nine, conceded six last night. They've conceded thirty nine goals since the first of January, um, which, considering they'd only conceded, I think twenty seven beforehand, that is really quite a drop off. A lot, of, a lot of Hampton fans last night were saying, you know. We're going to Dulwich next. They've just conceded six. They're bottom of the form table. Um, I mean, I don't think you can write off a team who's in that position because that was exactly where Hampton were at 7.45 last night before they went to beat Eastbourne. Um, it's, it's looking tight at the bottom. Yeah, well, it was going to be a valuable win for chipping away at Hemel Hempstead, but then up stepped Luke Holness. I'm hoping it's a blockbuster from Holness that got them level, but there we go. Uh, I don't know whether it was. It was probably a scrappy goal, wasn't it? But... Hemel, they stay in 13th. Chippenham, they're just above the relegation zone on goal difference. And as we mentioned, Weymouth there, bottom. But they're only three points away from safety as well. That was after that 3-1 defeat at Farnborough. So really, really tight and exciting. We'll move on to the National League North and another huge night. And some surprising results. Filed probably the most eye-catching. They lost 3-1 at home to Hereford which meant if Kingsling won, they'd go back top, and they did, 1-0 away at Banbury. They struck gold. It was gold on Matoyo with the only goal there, and Banbury had Ben Radcliffe sent off in the 67th minute. But that Hereford result, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, that, that was the big surprise of the night um, in National League North, I think, with the filed form uh, that they've been in, and Hereford currently without a permanent manager as well. I, I, you know, I think all signs were pointing to a home victory there. But yeah, a, a terrific win for Hereford. Goals from Ryan McLean in the first half, then Aaron Amardi hollowed away, and Tyrone Barnett added two further goals in the early stages of the second half. Took a, a Joe Rowley goal to uh, give fold a little bit of respectability on the on on the night just three minutes from time so yeah that's a a big reverse for Adam Murray's team and it sets up almost perfectly um, the meeting between the two sides which takes place on Saturday they meet one another in the league at Fylde they are level on points although Fylde have a game in hand so obviously um, the incentive for Kings Lynn if they as if they needed an incentive, you know, as if they can take um, a victory in that game on Saturday, they will put themselves three points clear, meaning that Fylde winning their game in hand would only bring them level. They do have to play one another again after that as well. They haven't met at all this season yet. So, um, yeah, in terms of the script writers, if, if there is such a thing, last night was was perfect. 
Another result of which won't be far behind it in the surprising stakes was Boston, who've been pretty poor at home this year, but they managed to beat Brackley by a goal to nil. And Roger Johnson's honeymoon period seems to be over now. He had a really strong start, didn't he? But they're not in a great run of form now, even though they stay third after that result. Yeah, I think I think the big surprise from this one was Boston United playing a game at home and not conceding because um, they've not been able to keep the, the back door shut um, at, at their new stadium. Um, very well at all this season, but they did last night. They and they shut out, you know, a good Brackley side. Tom Nixon got their goal on the half hour. Um, and Brackley, I mean, they they are still in there and competing, but it has been my contention that it is literally between the top two now. Um, you'd think Brackley would be good for a, a playoff place, certainly. Big win for Boston that as well, given the situation at the bottom, which we'll um, come on to more uh, in a little while. Yeah, Darlington have struggled, haven't they, since Mark Beck's left there. Could only draw 1-1 with Buxton. That means Scarborough moved closer to them as well because they beat Alfreton by two goals to nil. Yeah, I think the thing with with Darlington, when they had both Mark Beck and Jacob Hazel, is I suppose the difficulty was... Which one of them do you pay attention to? If you, if you, um, you know, if you, if you mark Hazel, you leave Beck unmarked. Potentially, there's room for one. If you're, you know, watching the other one, without him, um, I'm not going to say one-dimensional, but obviously they've lost that 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 twin prong to the attack that they had, and they have struggled a little bit more since he's gone. Um, it was a goal uh, from uh, Joe Ackroyd put Buxton ahead in the 54th minute and it took a 90th minute Ben Little penalty to uh, preserve a, a point for Darlington there. So yeah, I think Alan Armstrong would be relieved um, but by getting a point out of that one in the end. Buxton had a nice run of form as well. They were looking in danger of dropping into the, the, the relegation uh, fight not that long ago, um, but they've they've putting together a good run of form to Craig Elliott and they're pulling away in the opposite direction now. Yeah, Chester are behind Darlington, a point further behind them. They drew 1-1 at Gloucester. Adam Thomas put them ahead. And then it was an own goal from Kieran Coates there. Uh, just behind them are Charlie. It was Charlie against Kidderminster, seventh against eighth. And Charlie have got a five-point gap now to that last playoff place after they beat Kidderminster by a goal to nil. And crucially, they've got a game in hand as well. Yeah, um, I just realised I completely skipped over the Scarborough and Alfreton game there. So I've just mentioned uh, that there were goals from Michael Colson and Luca Colville in that win for Scarborough. Um, yeah, Chorley and Kidderminster, this this was a big one, given bearing in mind that, that again, the league positions. Uh, Kidderminster were uh, behind to a goal from John Ushtabashi in the 14th minute. And then their cause wasn't helped when Nat Knight Percival picked up a second yellow card in the second half to see them reduced to 10 men. Um Surely always a difficult side to break down, even more so if you're a man short. Um, and yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't think we can completely rule Kidderminster out of, of um, making a run for the playoffs, but they just seem to keep tripping themselves up. I think that's a third defeat on the bounce for them as well now, which is, you know, just a, a, just come at just the wrong time for them. On Monday night, Blythe got a massive 1-0 win away at Bradford Park Avenue, which saw them get out of the relegation zone. And then Tuesday night, this is how tight it is, they were back to second bottom. So that shows how tight it is. Farsley, second 0-0 draw on the trot against Kettering. So that keeps Kettering two points clear. And Bradford Park Avenue are in the last relegation spot because Boston leapfrogged them with that win over uh, Brackley, which meant that Leamington as well, who were initially 
in the bottom four as well. They moved out after a 1-1 draw with Telford. So let's pick the bones out of all that, Dickie. Yeah, I, I think the, the statistic or, the, or the, the, the thing that catches your eye when you look at the league table here is five teams level on 33 points and just separated by goal difference. Uh, my own team, Telford, are in 20th. Uh, in sorry, in final place on twenty points, so they're a long way short of safety now. I think it's uh, yeah, thirteen, fourteen points away from safety. Um, but the next five teams above them all level on thirty-three. Three of them are in the relegation positions. Two sitting just above, and and yeah, um, I suppose looking at last night's results, if you'd said to me, pick me a nil-nil out of that one, I might have gone for Kettering against Farsley, um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, uh, the the win for for Blythe on Monday night was a huge one. They followed up a one nil win at the weekend uh, with another one nil win. Um, same goal scorer as well, Troy Chiabi, I think it's pronounced. Um, he's another player that Graham Fenton's brought in quite recently, and um, obviously paying dividends for them. And yeah, goodness me. Blythe, I remember them staging you know, a, a run to get out of the relegation position at this time last year as well. And yes, I know it's not great that they're always down there, but goodness me, they always seem to find something. Um, Lemington's draw with Telford, that was a second positive result in a row for them after, um, I think it was three consecutive defeats before that. Dan Turner put them ahead at the New Books head, but then a, a Dan Meredith own goal um, meant that one finished 1-1. I'm not sure that a point would entirely help for either team. Certainly isn't helpful for Telford. They need wins, nothing less, in their position. I think on the balance of the game, Leamington would probably be reasonably satisfied with the point at the end of it. Well, we're going to look at the weekend's fixtures. And Notts County and Wrexham both at home. Notts County at home to Dagenham and Redbridge, who are still fighting for that playoff spot. Wrexham at home to Darkin, who have a lot to play for as well. But you would potentially expect those two teams to win at home. Woking against Wheelstone will be a really interesting encounter as well. That won't be an easy fixture for Woking. And then down at the bottom, some huge fixtures. Halifax against Maidenhead, Maidstone against Gateshead, and then York City against Yeovil. So we may well see a bit of a clearer picture on Saturday evening. In the National League North, as Dickie mentioned, the big standout game there is filed against Kings Lynn. However, Telford are at home to Blythe, aren't they? They are, yeah, and um, drinking in the last chance saloon as well, aren't they? <laughs> uh, they've rung last orders in the last chance saloon as well, and I think they're collecting the glasses. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it, look, it wins or nothing else for Telford now. Really, um, they've played more games than anybody else at the bottom. Only twelve games left to play, thirteen points adrift. It, it really is now or never time, and you know there, there was a, a sense. The first half last night at the Telford game was was quite a low key affair. You could tell that neither team was in particularly good form, and um, they, there was just a little bit of a sense of resignation in their air. I have to say, um, you know, with twelve games still to go, Telford can't allow themselves to fall into that. But you know, it's not looking it's not looking good for them at all. In the south, Ebbsfleet travelled to Chelmsford, which isn't always an easy fixture. And Concord and Weymouth, they face off down at the bottom. And Farnborough host Braintree. As we mentioned, Farnborough in really good form, as are Braintree. So that'll be an interesting game as well. Uh, Dickie, thanks for joining us. No, you're welcome. I was just going to say one other game that stands out for me on Saturday. Um, Southport uh, are expecting Hereford there. We hope Southport have had their boiler fixed by the weekend because um, their game didn't go ahead last night because they had no hot water. 
There we go. Yeah. Uh, will they find themselves in hot water for that? We'll soon find out. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us. No worries, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. We're on Instagram as well. And we'll see you all very soon. We'll be back at the weekend. So see you then. Mm-hmm.